Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, it's an exciting day we're living in today, so glad to be back with you on our weekly podcast here at Victory Church. Hope things are well with you and yours. And uh, just want to give you some encouragement today and continue the theme that we started last time talking about conscience. Before I get there, let me encourage you again to, um, you know, let me know if you get anything out of these podcasts or what you do get out of them. And uh, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. We'd love to hear from you. And, um, and again, I appreciate you uh, being part of the podcast. Uh, you know, it's great. It's an amazing day to live in. It's a challenging day. But every day, here's the way I look at it. Every day is an opportunity to walk by faith and prove the faithfulness of God and to prove that God's word is true. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, though the outward man is perishing or getting older, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, and he said, he he talked about the challenges of his day, called them light affliction. For this light affliction, which is just for a moment, uh, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And then he said in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 4, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Things that are seen are temporary. Things that are not seen are eternal. He's really saying we should focus on the person we are inside. We should focus on the spiritual realities and, and what's going to benefit our eternal future rather than just focusing on the present. I started last time talking about conscience and how important it is in human personality. And I want to continue that vein. I've got some things to share about conscience. A person without a conscience is a person that does not have personal protection. I left last time with these verses from 20, Proverbs 25, 28, several translations. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Uh, Bible in basic English. He whose spirit is uncontrolled is like an unwalled town which has been broken into. And uh, I think, think this is... Um, a Jewish translation, like a city broken down and without a wall, so is he whose spirit is without restraint. Those, that, that verse, Proverbs 25, 28, is referring to the human conscience, and it's like a wall of protection around us. The Scripture says, and we mentioned this last time, 1 Timothy 4 says, Now the Spirit expressly says, that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. Then verse 2, notice, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So uh, we're living uh, right now in a generation that the conscience is being seared more than any time in my entire life. So, you know, in the middle of all this, uh, one thing that's in my heart is to be careful that I obey my conscience, that I do what I know is right, uh, even in the small things of life. You know, Song of Solomon 2.15 says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little things in life that hinder us, that keep us from the best that God has. And you know, it's the little compromises that can turn into big compromises. So, 
It's one of the reasons I want to talk about conscience is so important. <clears throat> you know, somebody said reason is the voice of the mind. Feeling is the voice of the emotion. But conscience is the voice of the human spirit. Let me say that again. Reason is the voice of the mind. Feeling is the voice of emotion. Conscience is the voice of the human spirit. So, you know, all of us have to determine which voice is going to be the predominant voice in our lives. Will it be reasoning? Will we reason ourselves in and out of things? Is it feeling? If, if the predominant voice we listen to in our personality is feeling, then we're going to be up and down. We're going to be uh, unstable and uh, unwielding. So, again, conscience is the voice of the Spirit. Conscience is the stabilizing factor in human personality and can be. Now, having said that, you know, the conscience of a person who is not born again can allow them, allow them to do anything. For the human spirit without Christ is dead in sin. We need to realize that. Matthew, again, let me uh, repeat what Jesus said in Matthew 15. Um, Peter asked Jesus a question in Matthew 15, 15. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. <clears throat> and <clears throat> Jesus answered, verse 16, Matthew 15, Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked, Anything you eat passes through the stomach, then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands never defiles you. So Jesus very insightfully says here, it's from the heart, from the human spirit, uh, comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. So again, we're defiled from the inside out because we're a fallen race. Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. It's crazy to think that we can actually be self-deceived. Again, <clears throat> a person who is not born again is dead, the Bible says, in trespasses and sins. Is a person who is unregenerate on the inside, lacking the life of God, lacking a relationship with Jesus. And if I as a human being lack a relationship with Jesus, my insides will allow me to do most anything. So let me talk about that in a little more detail. Conscience can be trained. Uh, and conscience is usually trained by our family during childhood. Now, you know, we're having so many challenges with, with what they're wanting to teach children about sexual mores in, in school in very early ages. I'm talking about from kindergarten, first grade on up. This is, y'all, y'all, this is, this is a, a seedbed for disaster because conscience is the protective force in human personality. And conscience should be trained by the family during childhood, not by an outside force. And that's why the internet can be so dangerous. And that's why all of the electronic gadgetry we have that allows for the dis dissemination of information worldwide just at the click of a button is so is so uh, such a hindering factor. It could be to the family. It's crazy. So again, conscience is trained by family during childhood. 1 John 3, 20 and 21 says this, For if our heart condemns us, 
God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now, what is that verse saying? That verse, I believe, is referring to human's conscience. If our heart, if our spirit condemns us, that is, if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our heart or our conscience and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So, obviously, what you and I want as believers is a conscience that is not condemned, so that we can have conscience towards God, so we can have a relationship with Him. So again, it's possible, this is what this verse is bringing out, listen to it, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. It's possible for our conscience uh, to be ill-trained and for our conscience uh, not to portray the will of God. It's possible for our consciences uh, to, to uh, be an overworked conscience and actually hinder our walk with God. And so that's something you got to be really careful about. You can have a conscience that's steeped in religious tradition, and that can hinder relationship with God because you feel like you can never do anything good enough or right enough. A lot of people live there, particularly people that are raised in a, a traditional uh, type church and uh and, um, and, and it's a religious thing rather than a spiritual thing. Or, or the conscience can go the other way where it's very, very loose. Again, it's according to the way a person is trained in childhood. In fact, I've got some illustrations before I give them. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. See, God called the Israelites to train their children in the ways of the Lord and to teach uh, their children, the precepts from the Word of God. And again, the home is the environment where the conscience should be developed. Listen again to Deuteronomy 6, 4, the New Living Translation. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He, You know what he's saying? He's saying surround your family, surround your children with the Word of God. Talk about God when you get up, when you're walking on the road, when you're doing the stuff during the day, when you're eating lunch, things you're doing in the afternoon, during the evening meal, when you go to bed. Talk about God and then let the Word be seen all around you. That's what he said. Tie the Word to your hands. Wear them on the floor. Your foreheads as reminders, write them. Write the word on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Why? So you're constantly reminded of God's precepts, constantly reminded of the word of God. What does that do? Uh, it, it begins developing the conscience, particularly of a young child. And that was what his focus was here. Um, and he said, you repeat the word to your children. Why? Because that develops the conscience of a young person. Uh, again, our consciences are trained by our homes, by our families. That's why, fathers, it's so important for you to set the tone in your home. Mothers, that's why it's so important for you to walk with God and live a good example of life in front of your children. Children don't do what they say. We, they do what we do. You know, Susan and I have four grown children. They're all married. We have eight grandchildren. And, you know, 
those grandchildren, everybody has to watch everything they say around any grandchild. You can't use any colloquial expressions you don't want them to use or any slang expression you don't want them to use. And every once in a while, one of our grandchildren will come around and you know what? They've picked up a word here or a phrase there or they've said something that mom or dad has said, and not necessarily bad. I'm just saying children are so vulnerable and so teachable, and they absorb their surroundings. That's why it's so important, friend. You need to be careful with where you allow your child to go and what your child is allowed to hear. And I'm just going to throw this commercial out free. If you have a child in public school, my friend, you need to know exactly what's being taught in that classroom. And if they're, they're, uh, if they're teaching the woke ideology that any kind of sex and sexuality goes and they're demonstrating that to the children and, 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 and it's involved in their curriculum and books, my encouragement, believe God and take them out of that environment. That is not a place for children. If you work in the school system, uh, you know, go to your authorities and say, look, I don't have a conscience to teach this. I don't want children to be, uh, I don't want children to be um, influenced by these things that I'm reading. Uh, they go against the grain of what I believe as a, as a human and my personal belief system. I, don't, I mean, start challenging it where you are. That's what I'm saying. Y'all, we're living in a generation. If we, don't, if we don't catch the young people in this generation, we're losing our nation. We're losing the freedoms and the values that go along with freedom. So again, there is a challenge against the conscience, and there's a challenge against the conscience of children today. Uh, I have an illustration. So again, uh, conscience is trained at home. Uh, this was an odd illustration. This an odd thing that happened to me way back 40-something years ago. Uh, the second Bible school Susan and I attended was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Rama Bible College. And while we were there, we met people from all over the nation. Uh, Rama was the rage at the time, and so many people from so many states came. We had I had some friends I met from California. F one friend in particular... When I, uh, after I uh, graduated from that college school and I got a, a, on staff at a, at a church in Tulsa, uh, this uh, one, one of my friends also got on staff as a custodian at uh, the church that I was working at as well. And this young man was from California. Now, let me just say up front, he was a bit uncouth to me. I'm from South Carolina. He was on the far extreme. He was from California all the way across the nation. And, you know, it shocked me at some of the things he shared with me. He told me that when he first came to Jesus, he had no morals whatsoever. They weren't, morals were not taught in his home. See, children learn from the framework of, of the home, from the environment of the home. And he said, I didn't know anything about morals. My, my parents taught me nothing. And he said, when I, listen, now I know this sounds strange, but I'm going to tell you what the guy said. And, and it, this floored me. He said, he told me, he said, uh, Mitch, when I, when I came to Jesus, he said, I, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about the Bible. He said, when I first came to Jesus, I was just accustomed to being immoral. And he, he would be immoral with a girl. And he said, when he first came to Jesus, he, he would have a night of immorality and then wake up the next day and say, Lord, thank you so much. See how, 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 how depraved his conscience was 
even when he first came to the Lord, and it took a period of time and the Lord began to speak to him and said, you, don't, you need to stop doing that. That is wrong. His conscience had to be awakened. His conscience was so dead that he had been involved in so much for so long that after he came to the Lord, he tried to go back into the paths he lived in before he knew Jesus. Finally, his conscience was awakened. But that's what he said to me. You see, a person is taught morals by their family. Now, let me say this. You can have, you can, uh, you can have a person who seems to be a really upright, upstanding citizen. Uh, in fact, let me say this. I have met some people who don't know the Lord, don't go to church, don't read the Bible, who in a lot of ways are nicer than a lot of Christians I know. I know that sounds strange. And it sounds strange for me to say that as a pastor, but you know what I mean when I say that. And, um, and that has to do with a person's upbringing, has to do with a person's family life. And so uh, here's an illustration. When I was 30 years old, I started a church in a small town in South Carolina, and uh, we had um, a, a lady that had um, we rented a house from, and she was a business lady in the city. And, you know, she was a really nice Southern belle, I called her. I told my wife, now there's a Southern belle. And that means here's a lady who dresses very nice, and she keeps herself very well. She's extremely polite to everybody, particularly to strangers. And he, she was that way uh, to us. Now, this, this is not a church-going lady. This lady, um, as far as I know, did not attend church, did not, did not, uh, uh, was not a Christian, uh, didn't say anything about the Lord whatsoever. She was just a really, really nice lady. And I, as I had the relationship with her after renting the house and that, uh, things like that, I, uh, you know, I just noted in my own mind, well, you know, she must have had somebody in her background who knew the Lord because she understands, she understands how to be cordial, polite, winsome, gracious. He has all of those qualities. They were learned somewhere, and they seemed to be second nature to her, even though uh, from her own admission she didn't know the Lord. Um, but you see, um, and so again, that's an illustration of a person whose conscience has been trained most probably by their family. But we had a day, we had some disagreements, some challenges came up here or there, and then the real, the other side to this lady, you know, it kind of surfaced. And boy, that day she wasn't nice at all. So see, you can be trained uh, outwardly to do this, to act that way, to have this demeanor, that demeanor. But who you really are shows up under pressure. And that was certainly the case with her. So again, the conscience can be trained and is trained by our family. And when you come to the Lord... Uh, most of us, when we come to the Lord, according to our family background, it's according to what our family has allowed and disallowed as to what kind of conscience we have and what role the conscience plays in our life. And I have learned in these years of walking with God, if I want to be a successful believer, I will learn to, I will learn to cater to my conscience. Conscience is a protection system for the believer. Conscience is the, is, is, is the first wall of defense between you and me and the world around us and all the negatives that can come into our lives. And so again, we need to learn to obey the conscience. You know, the word 
deals with conscience, the reason for the Ten Commandments. Let me get into this just a minute before we close today. The reason for the Ten Commandments is the awakening of the human conscience. Again, the conscience, so to speak, was put to sleep when Adam and Eve sinned. They did what they knew not to do. That is, they violated their conscience ate of the fruit God told them not to eat of, and they, and they did, it, did it knowing full well God said not do it. When they did that, they violated conscience, broke fellowship with God, and the whole human race entered into sin. And so God, uh, through a series of events ending with Moses on top of Mount Sinai, getting the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God on a tablet for the entire human race, what are the Ten Commandments for? The Ten Commandments are laws and rules that help fallen people live together in a fallen world. And so listen to what 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 says, verses 5 through 11, talks about the, the Word of God. It talks about the Ten Commandments and the reason that they're set in the world by God via the hand of Moses from the Old Covenant is, is so that the conscience can be awakened. Listen to what it says. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some have strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. When he's talking about the law, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments aren't made for righteous people. They're, pe they're made for people that don't know the Lord. He says they're not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless, for the insubordinate, for the ungodly, for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Why were the Ten Commandments given? The Ten Commandments were given so that the human race would realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And the Ten Commandments are given as a protection factor against our own hearts, and they, and they provide a system of morals that a fallen race can live by so that they can get along with one another and not destroy each other, so that they can create a sense of community together even if, they, even if they're not born again. The Ten Commandments have been such a blessing to the world because they have awakened the depraved conscience. And see what's happening today? They're taking the Ten Commandments away from, from all public discourse, from libraries, from public institutions. In my school when I was young, we had the Ten Commandments on the wall. Those things are being removed today, and our society has entered into a state of lawlessness. And look what it is bringing. It's bringing corruption, uh, chaos, the dissolution of the family, and problems on every level. So again, the conscience is so important, and we need to watch our own consciences. So as I conclude today, ask, ask yourself this question. Am I obeying my conscience in the small things as well as the large things? What am I doing with my conscience? Now, as I conclude, I want to read these scriptures as I go today. 
Uh, Paul mentioned the conscience more than any other New Testament writer. And conscience must be trained. Once you come to know Jesus, God wants us to have our conscience trained with the Word of God. When I was a young man... Uh, in my late teens, uh, when I came to the Lord, I began to memorize portions of Scripture, and I noticed it changed my belief system. Let me say this as I, as I go further here. You know, uh, instead of talking about conscience today, a lot of people talk about the belief system, your personal biases, uh, things that you value. My personal belief system makes up my conscience. It is my conscience. And so, again... The conscience is the part of the human personality that we need to allow to, to dominate us. Listen to the Apostle Paul and others as they address the role of the conscience as I conclude this today uh, from the New Testament. Romans 9.1, this is the Apostle Paul. I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. He's saying when I'm talking, I'm obeying my conscience. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man conscience in the sight of God. See, they're living, he said, we're living in the light of conscience. 2 Corinthians 1.12, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. He said, we are living by our conscience. 2 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. Paul talking to the young minister, Timothy, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, watch, which some having rejected, that is some people have rejected a good conscience concerning the faith have shepherd, suffered shipwreck of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. If you're going to walk with God and walk in faith, you got to have a good conscience. Or Paul says here, it can shipwreck you. And he lists a couple of uh, believers here who defied their conscience, did what they know they should not do, and they got in trouble because of it. First Timothy 3, 8, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Deacons are those that help in the local church. Those are the ones that serve others. It said you should do that with a pure conscience. Second Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 1.12, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conduct ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. He said, for our boasting is the testimony of our conscience. He said, we live in the light of our conscience. That's what he was saying. Romans 13, 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sakes, that is, to the laws of where you live. For because of this, you must also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. He said, 
obey the laws of your land for conscience sake. So again, you know, he said we live by our conscience. Titus 1.5, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Even their minded conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works deny him, being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. So again, he's, he's again emphasizing the importance of living by conscience and not defiling the conscience. If we defile our conscience, we'll begin to we'll begin to do what we should not do, and it could break our fellowship with God and then mask the fellowship with God so deeply you can't even tell right from wrong anymore. I'm going to stop right there for sake of time and start right here next time because I have a lot to say about conscience, and I want to talk to all of us about the importance today in living in the light of a conscience that is trained in the Word of God. Lord, I pray for me and every person listening to, the, to, to this uh, today that as we move forward in life, beginning right now, Lord, help us to be sensitive to our conscience. Help us to understand our conscience is the voice of our human spirit speaking to us and that our, vo- our conscience can be trained in the Word of God and our conscience can become the voice of God. Lord, help us. Help us not to defy our conscience. Help us to keep the walls of protection around our lives by obeying our conscience. Lord, help us not to, uh, Lord, help us not to sear our conscience by repetitiously violating it. I pray for me and every person listening. Help us to live with a good conscience towards you. In Jesus' name. God bless you, my friend. We'll talk about this next time. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.